Welcome to the Morecambe Bay podcast with Nigel Thompson. 30 years ago, Morecambe Bay got its own radio station. The commanding officer of Barrow-built HMS Vanguard launched it. From the first of class of the largest submarine ever built in Britain to the new first class radio station, my ship's company and I wish all at the Bay and their listeners the very best of luck for the future. Thank you, Commander. Good morning. Welcome to the Bay. I'm Carl Greenwood. Your favourite songs in the morning, 96.9 The Bay, Bay News. 8.30, I'm Nigel Thompson. Yes, I was very, very young. The Bay's senior presenter was radio legend Mike Shaft. I remember the first time I went to the station, and if there was anything that would put anybody off, it was what I found when I got there. The water had come over, over the, the, the railings and was in the station because the, the, the building that they got was right there on the quay. This was St George's Quay, right St. by George's the River Loon in Lancaster. Oh yeah. my yeah. goodness. It, and there were hor- horrendous storms and there were sandbags across the top because this station was actually lower than ground level. I don't know if you remember the ballroom. It was lower mm-hmm. when you went in, you went down into the station. And there was water all over the place and the chief engineer is running around trying to stop the stuff, water get into the electrical stuff. And I looked at it, I thought, oh God, what have I let myself in for? He's enjoyed a lengthy and varied career and is still presenting today. Although linked to Manchester well before Morecambe, his break came on Merseyside. I remember my first radio experience going to Radio Merseyside. Uh, There was a guy there called Brian Smart doing a soul show. And he says, yeah, come over, bring a few tunes with you. And I'd go over um, every other Monday on the opposite Monday a guy called Terry Linane would do the same and go in and play a few tunes for him. I wrote to Piccadilly when they were launching which was in 74. Sent him a tape in, got a letter back, thanks very much but we're not interested. Four years later, Andy Peebles by the way got the show, the soul. I was only interested in the soul show, yeah. nothing else. On the first broadcast I listened to it on that Friday and I immediately knew that while Andy Peebles was there I would never work at Piccadilly. The show was excellent. Best soul music, Bobby Womack and those kinds of people, lots of nice quality Motown. It was just perfect. And I knew I'd never worked there while he was there. Four years later, I work, I work all this time, I'm working for the post office, that was my main job. Four years later, I'm at a post office in West Didsbury, reading the Daily Mail. I open the paper and it says, Andy Peebles goes to Radio One. What? <laughs> I said to my boss, can I have an early lunch? He said, yeah. I was down at Piccadilly reception within about 40 minutes. Went in, saw the receptionist and said, look, I'm here to speak to Colin Walters about the, the job. Andy Peebles is going, so you're gonna need somebody to do the soul train. Um, Andy Peebles hadn't left at that time. You know, he's working his, his, his uh, notice. I saw Gail, who was Andy Peebles' secretary, and I just bent her ear for 45 minutes. Just, <laughs> I'm the only person who can do this. I know every black music. Yeah. I was working in nightclubs all over town. She says, look, send in the tape. She says, I'll make you a deal. Send the tape to me and I will guarantee he listens to it. Go away and make a tape. Radio One was talking about launching a soul music program, a dance music program. So I thought, well, why not? I sent a copy of the tape to Radio Merseyside, which is where I used to go in with Brian Smart, to Piccadilly and to Radio One. Two days later, I get a letter back I can't remember the order. Piccadilly, 
phone my secretary for an appointment. Two days later after that, I get two letters, one from Radio Merseyside saying we're not interested. One from Radio One saying phone my secretary for an appointment. You what? <laughs> so one day I was going to Piccadilly for an interview, next day I was going to Radio One. I told Radio One about Piccadilly. Never told Piccadilly about Radio One. In the end, Radio One offered me a job. Colin Walters had stopped, because I used to go in and do demos, and he'd phone me and say, come and do a demo, and he stopped phoning me. Radio One get in touch and say, we want you to do this show. We're having a, we're gonna record a, a, a tryout, want you to be there, I got the thing. Radio One offered me the job properly. On the Thursday before we're supposed to launch the Radio One show, the producer phones me. He said, are you sitting down? I says, it's not going to happen, is it? He says, no, it's not. I says, is it anything to do with me? He says, no, nothing to do with you. It was a problem with the unions. Because what was happening in those days, because this is a long story, I'm sorry. Uh, in, in those days, radios one and two shared their evening programs, uh, right? So they had one presenter who did yeah, both, yeah. both yeah. stations and they were splitting. Yeah. And the BBC, in the way that they only do, says, well, yeah, but we can't give you double staff, so it'll be one and a half staff or whatever. And the union says, no way. I put the phone down to him, and I'm devastated. Oh, devastated. Oh. Phone rings. I answer, it's Colin Walters. He says, uh, I hear you've got a job. I says, what job's that, Colin? He says, I've heard about it, don't worry. He says, we're still interested in, in, in having you here at Piccadilly. I says, well, you stopped calling. He says, well, yeah. Why don't you come in and see me tomorrow? right uh, half past four we're walking into his office and he said when do you want to start this sunday okay so yeah. i uh i start on that sunday show was fine took no chances just played it safe all the way through on the monday tuesday wednesday i spoke to colin he says loved it few people writing in they really lo loved it i want you to carry on i get a call from colin at one point saying we really love what you're doing i want to give you a six-month contract signed it tony hale who was the bbc producer phones up and says right mike it's been resolved the problem at the bbc i says i'm sorry i can't do it I've signed with piccadilly he says oh well i understand and that was the end of radio one and i then did eight years at piccadilly wow, 78 to 86 it was a glorious time for me i i was a huge club dj and I just took the club music onto the radio. Yeah. Um, I remember some years ago, Andy Peebles, we had a chat, and he says the difference between your show and mine, Mike, was I would never have played One Nation Under a Groove. It's just not my kind of tune. Well, that was one of the biggest tunes yeah. for me, you know. So I had a massive black audience in Manchester mm -hmm. from the nightclubs, and then the soul people that Peebles had, I kept them interested, and people who used to come to my nightclubs were, were listening to the radio, and it became a snowball running down the hill it was huge huge mike came to the bay as a presenter but was also head of promotions the launch party at the empire nightclub in morecambe for a new radio station did result in a few sleepless nights we didn't know what it would do i went to morecambe um what's the venue called it was the empire empire that's yeah, right morecambe yeah. empire yeah. spoke to the management there they loved the idea uh because all the top presenters were going to turn up on the stage. Yep. Uh, we were having a sound system brought in. Who did? Who looked after the sound system? Les. Les, Les, Les Farmer. Les Farmer. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
and I talked to Les, we got a deal, put your stuff in, massive sound, we'd sell tickets out of our building. Well, the tickets were starting, but slow, very slow. We ran adverts all day long for the, for the launch party. Um, it was, I think, at the end of the first week, and we'd, we'd, we were running demo tapes before, before the actual launch, and we put an advert in there. I remember Julian saying to me, you know, is this selling, Mike? What's going on? What's going on? I says, Julian, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then we get to the last week before the launch, and Julian calls me in, and I'm thinking, oh, heck, what's going on here? And he says, Mike, what's going on? There's loads of people coming here to buy tickets. Cars pulling up outside, somebody running in, buying 10 tickets. He says, Mike, well done. We get to the launch night, it is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Everything was right. And we had a party, and it made, and I don't even know if this is public, I'll say it, 3,000 pounds. Wow. Brilliant. Now this radio station, this tiny little radio station, when Julian saw that, he says, Mike, that was awesome. It was. That yeah, was awesome. Yeah. I remember going across the road to the, the, the Midland Hotel, yeah. I think with yourself, and certainly Kenny was there, uh -huh. and some of the team, you know, to have to try and come down, because we were just so, yeah. you know, oh, it was amazing, it was fantastic, because was don't fantastic. forget, Morecambe had never seen anything like that yeah. for years, yeah. you know, his own radio station, it yeah. was just, it yeah. was huge. It really and was. When, when we took the money to Julian, you know, God, man, he couldn't believe it. Yeah. Actual yeah. money, yeah. because at that point, we were selling adverts, but they were yeah. they were only trickling in. Yeah. This gave the radio station a real boost to go on, Definitely. and boy, yeah. did we go on. The first month, I remember, um, Rosemary Beale, who was Rosemary, the Rosemary, sales. sales director. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> we, Rosemary. We had a meal, I don't know if you remember, them, in the ballroom upstairs, uh -huh. we were all invited to this meal, and we thought, could be one of two reasons. Yeah. You know, it's either it's been great, but it's not going to sustain, yeah. or whatever. But I remember all, we all been given these these bay mega mugs and uh -huh. massive kind of soup like uh, cups, yeah. you know, and t-shirts and yeah. things and all sorts. And then sat down for this meal, which we were served. And I thought, well, what? this is the last supper. This will be it. Yeah. And it supper. was. And it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Do you remember? It was the fact that we actually sold the thing. All the airtime that we could sell, we'd actually sold within the first month, which was incredible for a, such a small awesome. stage. Uh, Rosemary knew every business in the area and it wasn't just Lancaster it was Morecambe and then further yeah, further not yeah. later on yeah. um, so she could call up the editor of Morecambe Guardian or whatever it was and they could talk on their level yeah. and you know that she came to deals with all the car companies yeah. and we had some great salesmen and women um, but we were a perfect community radio station perfect and I don't use that term easily we were a perfect community radio station. The breakfast show, Carl, um, fantastic. I came on at uh, 10 till 12, I think Kenny then, the afternoon. Three main presenters in the day, and we were cooking. We were cooking. Another of those in at the start was weekend presenter Trevor Thomas. Coming to Lancaster for the Bay was one of a series of radio jobs, but one he loved. Well, I was, um, as, a, as a young upstart, um, eager to do as much as I could in radio. I was actually, it was the third radio job that I was doing at, at one time. I was working at 
Sunshine 855 in Shropshire, where I was doing the breakfast show from Monday to Friday. And if you remember, there was AA Roadwatch, which did traffic and travel on local radio. I worked there as well during the week. And then on a Friday, I used to drive back to Mum and Dad's in Cheshire. And a former boss of mine knew of Kenny James, and he kind of put in a word for me. And um, I'd kept in touch with Kenny. I probably bombarded him with, with demo tapes. And I got I got the invite to, well, we come up and do some shows at the weekend. So I used to do Saturday night and Sunday morning, so I can't believe it. But as, yeah, a young guy, I was, I, there I was doing three radio jobs at the one time, one of them being uh, the Bay. The reception that the station got was, you know, first class from, from day one. You'd open up the phone lines and you'd be inundated with callers. Um, I, I mean, Morecambe Bay hadn't had local radio up until that point. There was radio from Preston, there was radio from, you know, for the northwest, but there wasn't radio just for um, that particular part of the country. So I think, you know, the, the people of, uh, of Lancaster and, and Morecambe Bay really sort of embraced the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, it, it was fantastic. It really did feel as if you were getting involved with something very, very special. Thanks to Trevor and to Mike, just two of those of us who were there at the very start of the bay. The radio station, well, that's now history, and it's for others to tell the full story of what became one of the country's best-known and most successful commercial radio stations through thick and thin. For now, though, let's leave the last word with Mike Shaft. It was awesome. I only left when I was offered a job at Jazz FM, or JFM as it was in, in the Northwest, which was a Northwest-wide radio station. It was huge, huge. And even after I left JFM, I came back to the Bay for a while. Oh, man, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Right. yeah, I came back to the Bay and then left for good. Yeah. Great times. Oh, when it comes to radio, for listeners to the Morgan Bay podcast, you can still hear Mike on Colourful Radio from 4 till 6, I think, drive till 6. Yeah. Um, yes, it's an interesting situation there. I, maybe I'm not supposed to say this, but the game show's not live. I record it every day. So as we're recording this, I'm actually on the air. Well. Um, 4 till 6. And I sent <laughs> my mate Steve Quirk, who I worked with for years. I had him at Sunset. Um, we used to exchange music and be in each other's collection. And so when I was launching Sunset, I said, Steve, do you want a job? He was a printer at the time. He says, oh, yes, Mike. You know, I made him head of music type thing, but he knew who the head of music was, and that was me. Um, but he was great. And then when he went to radio to uh, JFM, he talked to them about me going there. Well, he now works at Colourful, and he was working at Colourful, the manager there says, look, do you know anybody who could do the drive time show for us? He says, Mike Shaft. So he phones me up, the, the manager, and says, uh, are you interested? I says, I'll make you a deal. I will do a one hour demo. And if you hate it, you don't like it, I'm not the man for you. If you absolutely love it, this is how I'm gonna sound on the air. I did an hour, exactly how I do my show now. Short links, what's the name of the song, what album it's from, move on if I get an interview it'll be a quality interview we'll drop it in but then we go back to the music he loved it and I've been there over three years now wow. which is fantastic and looks as if it could go on for a while fantastic. You know, I'm very happy Steve is still on, on breakfast I do four till six and I did the first week I think it was and I was listening to the station all the way through and 
I always have ideas, whether you like him or not. I said to him, look, I've, got, I've had an idea. I listened to Steve's breakfast show, and there, before that, there's kind of nothing, you know, and then suddenly it's the breakfast show. I can make my four till six show in the afternoon to be replayed four till six in the morning, which is a great time slot in Australia, in America. Yeah. That four till six. So um, he says, well, how are you going to do it? I says, don't you worry about that. I'll do it. So my strap line is colorful drive on colorful radio, four till six a.m. and p.m. I don't say good morning. I don't say good evening. Hello. Yeah. So they love the idea yeah. of having the show twice. Yeah. You know? so, well, and that's what I'm doing. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you, and I could talk to you for, for hours, but we've got a little place to go to, to say <laughs> thank you very much to everyone who took part in, in those 30 years of the Bay, but yeah. it's good to hear you, it's good to see you, that you're still taking care of business after all these years yeah. on the radio. Fin final question, though. Yeah. Do you still love it as much as, as that first show on Piccadilly many years ago? Absolutely. You know what I say? It's better than work. Great to talk. Mike Schaff, thanks for joining the Morecambe Bay podcast. And thank you for downloading this edition. Don't forget there are many more you can download at any time. Just search Morecambe Bay podcast, the podcast that's all about the Bay. Thanks for downloading this edition of the Morecambe Bay podcast.